tonight we, we thank you that you are a God who is a delivering God, a God who sets the captives free. And Lord, we speak to Tim tonight in the name of Jesus. And Lord, I thank you that, uh, uh, that the, first of all, that Tim's relationship with you is right where it needs to be. Lord, that you're sending, Lord of the harvest, send laborers to Tim. So that there would be an opening uh, to you like never before. A softness and a sensitivity to you like never before. And Lord, that, that, that he would uh, just willingly allow you to do everything you desire to do in his life. Because Lord, you desire him to be free and to be delivered and not to be in bondage to anything. And I thank you, Lord, that Tim's heart is opened up to you to allow you to work through him, flow through him, get him in all the right situations and see to it that he is totally delivered from all drug addiction. Every bit of it. Hallelujah. And Lord, that rather than being addicted to drugs, he's going to go ahead and... and, uh, if there's something he's going to have to do all the time, he's going to have to be with the Lord all the time, in the Word all the time, in prayer all the time, in the fellowship of the saints all the time. He'll be doing something all the time. He'll be doing something he just got to do, but it's going to be a different something now. <laughs> we thank you, Lord, for it in Jesus' name. We also pray for, for the, this grandson to be totally set free from Tourette syndrome. In the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, we speak against Tourette syndrome. We say you be departed from this young man in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. We thank you, Lord, that your power is flowing into that young man's body, into his body, into, into his, uh, uh, every faculty of his. Lord, dealing with the very root cause of, of this syndrome in his body. And we thank you, Father, that he's experiencing total, total deliverance in Jesus' name. Thank you, Father. Lord, for, for the family of our dear brother James Neri, Lord, we thank you for the peace and the comfort of the Holy Ghost to them in a time that's uh, a rough time, a, a time where they're, uh, they, they, they know he's with the Lord and they rejoice in that, but they're missing him, Lord, and they're going to miss him. A uh, very vital part of a, a, a beautiful family. And Lord, I thank you that, uh, uh, that your grace is evident and manifest in their lives right now like never ever before thank you lord in jesus name that they're receiving comfort from the god of all comfort and from the comfort himself the holy spirit who lives and abides in those who believe thank you lord for hearing our prayer tonight in the name of jesus amen praise god well um Pastor John started about, uh, let's see, uh, three weeks maybe, uh, three weeks ago, um, uh, just changing the direction of Wednesday night service for a while from, from prayer night to, to having a healing theme. And uh, he did two of those. And uh, then uh, last week, uh, uh, I ministered along the very same lines that we'll continue to minister tonight, which is on the origin of sickness. And uh, as we dig into this tonight, before we do a little review of what we hit last week, and of course, uh, thank God you've got multiple ways of finding it. Uh, If you need to catch up on the teaching, there's a podcast, 
There's also, uh, uh, if you want video, you can go to our uh, YouTube live page and, and uh, just get all the services going back as long as we've been doing it, which is over a year now. And, uh, uh, but but th- that's another way. And of course, uh, uh, Facebook Live, you can also catch uh, Facebook Live videos, but, but YouTube is probably the easiest or the podcast. And uh, th- that's a good way to catch up on things, or even if you needed to hear something again, to hear it again. Um, and we'll go ahead and do some review for a minute, but I wanted to go ahead and start tonight by uh, giving you this something to think about. Genesis chapter 1 and verse 26, uh, a very, very popular verse that says, Then God said, Let us make man in our image according to our likeness, Let them have dominion over the fish of the sea, over the birds of the air, and over the cattle, and over all the earth, and over every creeping thing that creeps on the earth. Now, one thing that this says about God's original intent for his creation, this says here that God's original intent for mankind was to have dominion. I think that's pretty clear. Now, it was... Therefore, conversely speaking, you're, or you're, flip that the other way around, uh, you, you would say that if it's God's will for man to have dominion, then it was not God's will or God's original intent for man to be dominated. But when sin was allowed into the world, sin dominated mankind. Was that the will of God? No. But also... You see, in the same way that sin seeks to dominate, you see that sickness seeks to dominate mankind. You you see sickness and pain and physical limitations as a way to to be able to to say, hey, you know what? You you can't do that. The reason you can't do that is because you have this condition. Or, or, you know, uh, uh, or or that you you can't, you can't go ahead and be all that you want to be or do all that you want to do because of these limitations. So sickness and, and pain and all things related to that, what are they seeking to do? They're seeking actually to dominate the very man that God created to have dominion. Mm-hmm. And that is not the original plan of God. By any means, it is not. Because man was created to dominate. Sickness seeks to dominate man. But man was created to dominate. That was God's original intent. And therefore it's clearly not in line with God's original intent for there to be sickness in the world. Because that's something that's dominating the man when God created the man to dominate. So we clearly see that something happened that rocked things off of God's original intent. That, that, that got things off of the, the foundation on which God originally designed things to be. Amen. We also read last week, and we'll read it again right here. Uh, uh, it's Genesis 1.31. Then God saw everything that he had made, and indeed it was very good. Indeed it was very good. Indeed it was very good. And we, take a, uh, we took a look at about how does God define good. We looked at Acts 10, 38 that showed that, uh, uh, how God anointed Jesus of Nazareth with the Holy Ghost with power who went about doing good and healing. So we saw that healing is uh, one of the things that God defines as good. Jesus went about doing good and healing. And then we also saw this, that, that uh, 
not only how God defines good, but we also saw that God does not change in his definitions. You know, he's not going to call something good one day and call it bad the next day. Uh, we see that James 1.17 says, Every good gift and every perfect gift uh, is from above and comes down from the Father of lights, with whom there is no variation no, or shadow of turning. So there's no chance that God's going to go ahead and be one way one day and another way the next day, or that he's going to go ahead and uh, suddenly you know, uh, change his mind or his thoughts regarding something. No, he's going to go ahead and be very, very consistent. If he called it good on Monday, he'll call it good on Tuesday. If he called it good on Tuesday, he'll call it good on Wednesday. God is consistent, does not change. And so therefore his definition of what's good does not change either. Amen. We saw that there was no day on which God created sickness because God was not the one that created it. We saw how death came into the world. Romans 5.12 showed us that death came through sin. Remember that? Death came into the world through sin. And of course, along with death, which uh, initially refers to spiritual death, but along with spiritual death came physical death. Along with spiritual death came physical sickness. Along with spiritual death came poverty. Along with spiritual death came every dysfunctional problem known to mankind. Whether it's a, 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 a physical dysfunction, a mental dysfunction, emotional dysfunction, well, whatever it is, every mess you can imagine came with spiritual death. Spiritual death just opened the door to it all. How did spiritual death get here? It got here through sin. Uh, you know, we, we read uh, Genesis three uh, 2, verse 17, out of the Young's Literal Translation, that, that talks about, you know, God talking about the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. And in the Young's Literal Translation, uh, he says, In the day that you eat it, dying thou dost die, or dying you will die. In other words, uh, you will have an immediate death and an eventual death. An immediate spiritual death, which for Adam led up to an eventual uh, physical death that in Adam's case was 930 years later. So that is how uh, death came into the world. That's how sickness came into the world. Uh, that was the open door right there. And it's when physical imperfection began. It began when the serpent was allowed on the scene. Thank God I got to tell you tonight, and we'll get into that a little bit later, the serpent is not always going to be on the scene. The serpent's days are numbered. They're not unlimited. They are numbered. Can I hear an amen from somebody tonight? All right. Now, uh, we also talked about does sickness come from God? And we, we uh, uh, looked at the uh, Old Testament language about God striking, smiting, afflicting, killing, destroying people. And uh, talked about that it appears in Old Testament language that God takes responsibility for being the cause of things which he only permitted. Or that God would allow himself to be identified as the cause of things which he only permitted. But that really in reality he's the permitter but not the co-mitter. And uh, uh, one of the verses that we saw that demonstrated that so clearly. And we looked at several others but, but we'll just look at one tonight. Exodus 12.23 it says, For the Lord will pass through to strike the Egyptians. 
Well, based on that, you say, well, who's going to strike the Egyptians? Well, duh, the Lord. But let's keep on reading. And when he sees the blood on the lintel and on the two doorposts, the Lord will pass over the door, now listen, and not allow the destroyer to come into your houses to strike you. So we got to see in this uh, uh, several instances in the Old Testament, and this being where you get the, the sense of both of them right there in the same verse, where when you look at it first, it looks like it's the Lord coming through to do the striking, but then you see that the Lord's not the committer, he's the permitter. He's the one who would not allow the destroyer to come into your house to strike you where they had the blood on the lintel and the two doorposts. Amen. And I want you to know tonight, I got the blood on my door. And I don't mean you, when you go into my house that you see physical blood on the door. But I mean by being washed in the blood of Jesus, glory be to God, and by having faith in the blood, there is absolutely uh, a uh, uh, an unseen uh protection and unseen what what's what what they call that uh force field you know that kind of thing uh something something that is unseen but is very very real and the enemy cannot cannot uh uh pierce through that he cannot fight against that as a matter of fact let me tell you a secret on him the devil is very deeply scared to death of the blood of jesus hallelujah so go ahead and work that weapon more often. Hallelujah. Amen. So we, we see that about the character of God. And, and if you want to hear it, by, by all means, go ahead and dig into the whole teaching from last week. We saw this, that uh, the Lord does not afflict willingly, that even the things he does permit, he, he do, there's no joy in it for him. Uh, Lamentations 3.33 said that, that he does not afflict willingly, literally that he does not afflict from the heart. God's heart is not into uh, having to um, uh, allow things to be enforced uh, that, that he must allow to be enforced. You know, he'd much rather things be the way that he created them to be in with. But he knows that he, and uh, I'm jumping ahead a little bit, but God knows this, that he has no choice but to permit things that he does not will to happen in the earth because he turned this thing over to Adam and Adam legally turned the earth over to somebody who's known as the one who steals, kills, and destroys. And so uh, we're going to go ahead and get into that a little bit later, a little bit more, but I want you to realize that that God is uh, uh, actually, uh, in, in one sense, uh, limited. You say, well, there's no limit to God. Well, here's the thing. Yes, there is, because he can't lie, can't fail, can't break his word. The Bible says, my covenant I will not break, nor will I alter the thing that has gone forth out of my lips. And the thing is, is that if God said he turned it over to man, that means he turned it over to man. That means he didn't turn it over and, you know, you know, hold the string, you know. So if you do something I don't like with it, I'm going to go ahead and pull the string and get my keys back, get my access back. No, when God gave it to man, he gave it to man. Whoa, hallelujah. And you know what happened. The Garden of Eden happened. Oh, Lord. But I got to tell you, that's not how the story ends. I'm not going to jump too far ahead. 
Because I'll be preaching the end of my message and I'm only here at the beginning. <laughs> so, so stay awake tonight so you don't miss it. All right. Uh, well, we know this. The scripture says, we read it last week, that the Lord is not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. So there's things that God must allow in a fallen world that were never his original uh, will or intent to begin with. It's not his will for any to perish, but that all should come to repentance. And if it's not his will for any to perish, we, we learn this, then it must not have been his will for man to become perishable. That means able to perish. Additionally, if God did not will for man to become perishable, it would also not be his will for any of the stuff that comes along with perishing to come into the picture. If it's not God's will for you to perish, spiritually speaking, and if it was not God's will for, for Adam and Eve to experience spiritual death to begin with, then of course to follow would mean that it would also not be the will of God for them to have any of the other things that came into the world at the same time the spiritual death came into the world. So all of the mess and all of the dysfunction and the pain and the sickness and, and, and COVID-19 and every other thing you can imagine, when it came into the world, glory to God, uh, you, you know this, that, that it was not the will of the Father for that to come into the world, just like it was not the will of the Father for anybody to ever perish. Are you with me on that? So uh, where we ended last week is we said this, well, if, if not God, then who? We're talking about the origin of sickness. If not God, then who? And of course, we Notice this, that in Job chapter 2, verse 7, uh, that it says, Satan went out from the presence of the Lord and struck Job with painful boils from the sole of his foot to the crown of his head. So we see Satan afflicting Job with sickness. Uh, uh, Acts ten thirty eight. we read it earlier. It's such a great verse. We're going to read it again. How God anointed Jesus of Nazareth with the Holy Spirit with power, who went about doing good and healing all who were oppressed by the devil. So according to the Bible, the Bible calls those in need of healing people that were oppressed by the devil. What they were oppressed with came straight out of hell. They were oppressed by the devil. Jesus healed them. Hallelujah. And I got to tell you what, I don't want anything comes from him. I don't, want, I don't want sin in my life, and I don't want anything that's related to sin either. I don't want anything that came into the world with sin. I don't want any, any of it. If it comes from hell, I don't want it. You know what I like to say? And my wife can testify, uh, and several other people that know me can testify. I like to say, return to sender. <laughs> If it don't come from God, and if it comes from the enemy, I say, return to sender. I don't want it. I ain't signing for that package. Amen. John 10.10 says, the thief does not come except to steal, kill, and destroy. Jesus said, I have come that they may have life, and that they may have it more abundantly. Who do you think that thief is? That thief is the old Diablo himself. Comes to steal kill, and destroy. And Jesus 
made a very clear line of distinction between the stuff that the devil does and what he does. What the devil's like and what he's like. The, Jesus said, uh, the thief comes to steal, kill, and destroy. But for me, I'm not like that. I've not come to steal, kill, and destroy. No, I've come that, that they may have life and that they may have it more abundantly. Hallelujah. So that they would have life, that's the opposite of killing and destroying. That's not taking away life, that's giving life. And that they would have it more abundantly, that's the opposite of stealing. See, when you steal from somebody, you're taking away from their abundance. But Jesus is not taking you away from abundance. He's given to you abundantly. Hallelujah. Somebody shout tonight. All right. Well, let's keep on going. Uh, uh, let's establish with Scripture, is it really true? And I'll tell you what, we have the, 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 the confidence that it is because of what we're seeing in the Word. But let's go ahead. We've we got multiple evidence in the word of God to, to demonstrate this tonight. Luke 13, and we're going to start with verse 10. Very, very important here. Stay tuned into this. Now he was teaching in one of the synagogues on the Sabbath. And behold, there was a woman who had a spirit of infirmity 18 years. Notice that not in every case, but in some cases, uh, uh, when, when a spirit is in a person, they bring infirmity with them. Not in every case, but there are cases where, where in order to get rid of the infirmity in somebody, you need to deal with a spirit. All right, let's keep going. And behold, there was a woman who had a spirit of infirmity 18 years as was, and was bent over and could in no way raise herself up. But when Jesus saw her, he called her to him and said to her, woman, you are loose from your infirmity. And he laid his hands on her. And immediately she was made straight and glorified God. But the ruler of the synagogue answered with indignation. Because Jesus he had healed on the Sabbath. And he said to the crowd, there are six days on which men ought to work. Therefore come and be healed on them and not on the Sabbath day. The Lord answered him and said, hypocrite. Does not each one of you on the Sabbath loose his ox or donkey from the stall and lead it away to water it? Now listen, verse 16. So ought not this woman, being a daughter of Abraham, whom Satan has bound, think of it, for 18 years, be loosed from this bond on the Sabbath? Wow. Jesus said that the very root cause of this woman in uh, uh, her condition was the fact that she was bound by Satan for 18 years. Wow. Well, there's another uh, case where you see something similar to that term, spirit of infirmity. If you go over to Matthew 9... Uh, Matthew nine thirty two and 33, you see this, as they went out, behold, they brought to him, brought to Jesus, a man mute and demon possessed. So he could not speak, but he was possessed by a demon. And when the demon was cast out, the mute spoke. 
and the multitudes marveled, saying it was never seen like this in Israel. And like I said, we're not saying that every case that where, uh, 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 where somebody is sick in any way means that they're possessed or something. There are cases like that. It's not that way in every case. But what I'm, the reason why we're reading this is I want to show you the direct connection between the enemy, Satan, and sickness and physical ailments of any kind. In this case, it was a man not being able to speak and could not speak until the devil got dealt with. When the devil got dealt with, he realized that he could go ahead and speak at that point in time and the multitudes marveled as a result. Amen. And bottom line, why was Jesus manifested? Why did he come? Well, the scripture says, for this purpose, the Son of God was manifested. 1 John 3. For this purpose, the Son of God was manifested that he might destroy the works of the devil. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. So, let's go ahead and uh, ask this question. Let's see if we can find a direct link uh, further between Satan and sickness. Now, we, we've already got some good solid layers to the foundation based on what we already read. But if we take it a little further, um, when will physical imperfection end? When will be there, there be a time where there's no more pain and there's no more of the stuff that we got to deal with in this present age? Is there a day coming? I'm glad to tell you. Yes, there is. But when will that day come? Well, first of all, let's read this. Because I want you to see that A happens before B. So, so we're going to look at Revelation 20 and then Revelation 21. But Revelation 20, that's going to be exhibit A. All right? So, so A first before B. The devil who deceived them was cast into the lake of fire and brimstone where the beast and the false prophet are and they will be tormented day and night forever and ever. Does that make you smile like it makes me smile? Just to think about him baking in the lake. Baking the lake of fire. Hallelujah. All right. So, so that's what happens to the devil. He is thrown into the lake of fire, and they will be tormented day and night forever and ever. Now we're ready for this one. So A has to happen before B. Well, now this is a picture of things after what we just read happened, after Satan's thrown into the lake of fire. It's Revelation 21.4 out of the Amplified Classic. says, God will wipe away every tear from their eyes, and death shall be no more, neither shall there be anguish, sorrow, and mourning, nor grief, nor pain any more for the old conditions and the former order of things have passed away. Can you say hallelujah? Now, I'm going to go ahead and demonstrate something for you. We got this nice stage here. So I'm going to call this area here, this is 
what it was like before the serpent came on the scene. So this is before Adam and Eve ate from the tree of knowledge and good and evil, all right? So here, this is before the tragedy of the Garden of Eden. This is before any of that happened. So over here, you have something that looks a lot like that. <laughs> you don't have anguish. You don't have mourning. You don't have grief. You don't have pain. You don't have uh, the conditions that we have now or the order of things that we have now. What do you have? You have absolute perfection. You have the world in the original condition that God created things. And behold, it was very good. Remember? It was very good. So here's the very good. All right? And now the serpent comes on the scene. And you know what happened? You know, uh, convinced Eve to eat of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. When she knew better, and Adam knew better, and he was right there with her when it happened. You see, that's one of those Bible verses that, that you know, I say, oh, Lord, I, I pray that I'd have been more of a man than, than Adam was at that moment. All right. Uh, moving right along. So, so uh, sin is allowed to enter. Death by sin. All the other mess of the world, you know, all the other messes come in the same way. And so as long as Satan's around, you've got all this mess, all right? So all through these ages, sickness, disease, grief and pain, sorrow and mourning and anguish, blah, 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 all right? Now you get to the other side, and finally, Satan is put, whoop, into the lake of fire. He's baking in the lake now. No more dealing with him. So what's it like now? It's like that, <laughs> There's no more anguish, sorrow, mourning, grief, or pain. The old conditions and the former order of things, whoop, passed away. So, before Satan, no sickness, no pain. After Satan, no sickness, no pain. So you have sickness and pain around, only as long as Satan's around. Coincidink? I think not. Come on, somebody. But does that demonstrate that for you? Very clearly. If God had any role in it at all, then why wasn't it around way back in the beginning when God was creating things? And why isn't it around at the end if, if God's got something to do with it? And if the gifts he gives, there's, there's no variation or shadow of turning with him. That, that means if, if he's giving out those kind of gifts now, he can't change. If he's giving out those kind of gifts now, he can't be, you know, suddenly decide to be different. But we see that it's not what he's like. It's not what he's like. Glory be to God. You know, here's a good quote for you. And uh, th this is a quote from a man named John Alexander Dowie. He started off in the ministry really good, ended up bad, got off track in his later years. But uh, he, hey, it's a good statement, so I don't mind quoting it to you. Sickness is the foul offspring of its father, Satan, and its mother, sin. And I got to tell you, he just nailed that. Sickness is the foul offspring 
of its father, Satan, and its mother, sin. As a matter of fact, sickness is clearly a curse. Did you know that? You know, in the book of Deuteronomy chapter 28, where uh, you have in the first 14 verses the blessings that are laid out for somebody who oh, obeys uh, the, the word of the Lord and hearkens to his voice and keeps his commandments. And then you get to verse 15 and then you start a long list of stuff that's listed under the curse that will come on somebody who did not uh, heed the voice of the Lord and, and uh, keep his commandments. Now it's interesting when you start looking at that list of curses, you see a whole lot of sickness in there. A whole lot of defined sickness, you know, uh, uh, physical sickness, mental illness, uh, a whole lot of stuff that's very vividly described as being part of that curse of the law. The curse for not keeping God's law. Now, interesting, this verse here is uh, verse 61 in that same chapter. And after mentioning a whole bunch of stuff by name, you got a verse like this that's kind of like a catch-all. Uh, and, and says, also every sickness and every plague, which is not written in this book of the law, those two will the Lord bring upon you until you're destroyed. So, so you see there that not just the ones that are mentioned, but even the ones that, uh, that, that did not get mentioned are, are included in that same curse. Well, what does the Bible say in the New Testament about the curse of the law? We need to know. Is there hope and help for this or, or are, we, are we stuck? No, we're not stuck. Glory to God. Galatians 3 verse 13 says, Christ has redeemed us from the curse of the law, having become a curse for us, for it is written, Curses everyone who hangs on a tree, that the blessing of Abraham might come upon the Gentiles in Christ Jesus, and that we might receive the promise of the Spirit through faith. Hallelujah. So what we see is Deuteronomy 28, I, I, and without reading the whole chapter, I told you about all the, the uh, sicknesses that are described, and they're very vividly described. And then after all of that, then you got that verse 61 that we read that said, and by the way, if it's not mentioned in here, those are included too. But thank God Christ has redeemed us from all of them. Hallelujah. There is redemption in Christ from all of the curse of the law. Anything you see in there that's called the curse, the, the, the sickness, the, the destruction, uh, uh, the, the, the lack and the poverty. You know, uh, the, the part of the blessing is that you'd be the, the head and not the tail. Well, part of the curse is the reverse of that. You'd be the tail, not the head. Part of the blessing is you'd be above only and not beneath. Well, you reverse that and you're, you're beneath only and you're not above. But all of that curse, Christ redeemed us from. Glory be to God. Now, if we know that sickness comes from Satan 
and that sickness is a curse, what are you supposed to do in matters related to him? Well, the Bible tells you very plainly in the book of James chapter 4 verse 7, it says, therefore submit to God, resist the devil, and he will flee from you. And here's the thing. I, I, I believe that something needs to stir up in believers where we're not willing to take a, a raging stand against some things that come from the enemy and other things that come from the enemy. We're just not going to be so, you know, we won't be so radical about that. You know, it's the time of the year. You know what I mean? But is it coming from him? Well, if it comes from him, we need to resist that. We don't need to be rolling over and saying, oh, well, it's that time of the year. You know, uh, you know, it's flu season and stuff like that. No, the Bible says if it's him, what do you do with him? You resist him. You don't go along with him. You don't play patty cake with him. You resist him. Can I wave at somebody tonight? Hallelujah. Let's resist the devil. Anything that comes from him. If it's a temptation to sin, we know that comes from him. We'll resist that. If it's sickness, we'll resist that. If, if it's anything that's less than God's best. If it's anything less than a blessing. If it's a curse in any way. Whatever category of curse it might be, if it's a curse, we're not going to go ahead and, and just sit back and say, oh, well, th this is just a little curse, so I'll go ahead and deal with that. You know, th th this is only a runny nose curse, so I'll go ahead and deal with that. No, I mean, I, I want to go ahead and resist anything that comes from him. Not just some things. I want to resist all things that come from him. And I want to submit to God in every area and receive all the good things that come from my father. Hallelujah. Yeah, 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 yeah. Mm. Now, interesting here. Look at this. To, to say that sickness is the will of God is really uh, equal to saying that sin is the will of God. You say, well, Pastor Ray, that sounds pretty radical. But hold on, don't forget, sickness is the product of sin. How did sickness get here? Sickness got here through sin. So to say that sickness would be the will of God is really to say the same thing as saying sin being the will of God. Because how did sickness got here? Death came into the world through sin. All of the stuff that came along with it came that way. That was the door. But thank God I can tell you tonight that the fix for sin is the fix for everything that came as a result of sin. Hallelujah. The fix for sin is the fix for everything that came as a result of sin. That means that the very same thing that fixed the sin problem for us fixes the sickness problem for us and fixes every other problem for us. Hallelujah. Let's see in Scripture how the forgiveness of our sins and the healing of our bodies are linked together. First of all, I, I, I didn't have this in my verses, Jane, but if you can throw it up there, put up Psalm 103 in verse 2. And bottom line is that the Lord puts them together. The, the Lord puts them right side by side as the two top benefits. Bless the Lord, O my soul, and forget not all his benefits. And now verse 3. Who forgives all your iniquities, who heals 
all your diseases. In the order they're being listed there, they're being listed as the top two benefits that you get from the Lord. And it said, forget not all his benefits. Hallelujah. And he's got lots of them. But look at the ones listed first. The forgiveness of your iniquities and the healing of your diseases. Now let's go to Matthew 9. This is an instance of uh, uh, Jesus in in his ministry uh, uh, showing both the, 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 the power he had to forgive and to heal. Hallelujah. Uh, starting with verse 1, it says, So he got into a boat, crossed over, and came to his own city. Then, behold, they brought to him a paralytic lying on a bed. When Jesus saw their faith, he said to the paralytic, Son, be of good cheer. Your sins are forgiven you. And at once some of the scribes said within themselves, This man blasphemes. But Jesus, knowing their thoughts, said, Why do you think evil in your hearts? For which is easier to say, your sins are forgiven you, or to say, arise and walk. But that you may know that the Son of Man has power on earth to forgive sins. Then he said to the paralytic, arise, take up your bed and go to your house. And he arose and departed to his house. So you see, Jesus linking together the forgiveness of sins and the healing of this man's body. You see it. Hallelujah. Well, let's go on. Does the Bible link that elsewhere? James 5 and 14, it says, Is anyone among you sick? Let him call for the elders of the church and let them pray over him, anointing him with oil in the name of the Lord. And the prayer of faith will save the sick. And the Lord will raise him up. And if he has committed sins, he will be forgiven. Once again, the, uh, God's showing a package deal that, that dealt with in the same package is the, the healing of your body and the forgiveness of your sins. What about the beautiful prophetic chapter of Jesus' sufferings? Isaiah chapter 53 and verse 5. But he was wounded for our transgressions. He was bruised for our iniquities. The chastisement for our peace was upon him, and by his stripes we are healed. The same body that got wounded, the same body that got bruised, the same body that took those stripes, that same body that shed its blood, uh, shed his blood for us. What did it produce? A benefit for our transgressions, a benefit for our iniquities, and the healing benefit for our bodies. Hallelujah. Right there in the same package deal, you see that that our sin was dealt with, but also that our sickness was dealt with. Glory be to God. Now, how how did Jesus treat sickness? Did Jesus treat demons one way and sickness another way? That, that, there's a reason why I'm asking that question. Because right in the same chapter, you see Jesus using the same approach. In one case, on a case of absolute demon possession. And then in the next case, you see Jesus using the same approach on a fever. 
Are you ready for this? Hey, hey. Luke 4.35. But Jesus rebuked him, to, talking to a, a demon, saying, Be quiet and come out of him. And when the demon had thrown him in their midst, it came out of him and did not hurt him. So what did Jesus do with the demon? Jesus rebuked him. See that? Jesus rebuked the demon, told him to be quiet and come out of him. And the demon came out and did not hurt him. Now, a few verses later, not yet, just a minute, let me introduce this. You've got Jesus visiting with Peter and Peter's mother-in-law is sick. Sick of a fever. What does Jesus do? Verse 39, same chapter. So he stood over her and rebuked the fever. If you look in the Greek language, it's the same exact word. He's dealing with the fever the same way he just dealt with the devil. And it left her and immediately she arose and served them. That, that means she must have been a good cook, praise the Lord. Got, got, the, got, got the mac and cheese out and, and the pork chops. and No, no, yeah, no pork chops in, in Galilee, you know. <laughs> but but, but it, that, that's pretty amazing, isn't it? That Jesus would use the very same method. Rebuke the fever after he just rebuked the demon hallelujah and to which i say that's another reminder to us let's not be playing patty cake with anything that comes from the devil because anything that comes from the devil is wrong it's bad it's it's nothing we want hallelujah now you know what um uh because of the time uh, i'm not sure that i can really get into this and, and do justice on that. So, so that idea of uh, talking about the God turning over the keys to man and, and, uh, and exactly how things got into that position, we're going to save that for next week. But, Miss Jean, I'm going to request you to go somewhere that uh, I did not initially have in the plan for tonight. But uh, this is going to be a good place to wrap up tonight. Luke chapter 9. And it's going to be 51 through 56. Luke 9, 51 through 56. And now while you're going and getting that set up, I want to introduce this. We just were talking about um, the, um, uh, the, the, the way that Jesus thinks about things. The way that Jesus sees sickness and disease. That he treated a fever in the same way that he did treat a demon that was possessing somebody. But you see, now we're going to go ahead and see the heart of Jesus even further. Because for anybody who, uh, and it's very easy to look at some things in the Old Testament and say, oh boy, the Lord sure looks like he was mad back then, you know. Uh, you know, uh, uh, sometimes it's like people think, well, you know, God was mad back then and then somehow he became nice. Somehow Jesus became 
uh, you know, came and introduced him as father and, uh, you know, uh, as if he's not talking about the same person. I want you to know that when Jesus is talking about the father, he's talking about the same person, the same God who's talked about all over the Old Testament. As a matter of fact, uh, Jesus is, uh, uh, as one who came to do the will of his father, what Jesus did, what was the, followed the exact instructions that the father sent him to do. So one thing that we will get into next week, which I'm very excited about, besides the fact of how the keys got turned over, but we're going to go ahead and take a look very clearly at the ministry of Jesus. Pastor John touched on that a little bit. I want to dive into that even more. And I want to go ahead and seal the deal once and for all. That if you really want to know what the Father's like, we're going to go ahead and see what the Father's like through what Jesus is like. There is no better picture of what the God of the Old Testament is like than to look at Jesus. Because you didn't have mean God back then and suddenly he, you know, we, we've got a nice God now. No, he's the same God. And he's always been the same. He, even back in the times of the Old Testament, when you read some of that Old Testament language, but the, you, you read far enough and you'll see God saying, I take no pleasure in the death of the wicked. Remember, we read that verse last week. You see the heart of God. But now I want to see something that Jesus said in this passage that is so going to beautifully describe what he's like and the fact that he's not going out to get people, but he's going out to save people. Luke nine fifty one. Now it came to pass when the time had come for him to be received up that he steadfastly set his face to go to Jerusalem and sent messengers before his face. And as they went, they entered a village of the Samaritans to prepare for him. But they did not receive him. So this village did not receive him because his face was set for the journey to Jerusalem. So Samaritans did not like Jews. They saw he was clearly a Jew on his way to Jerusalem for the feast and thought, we don't want to have anything to do with him. All right, verse 54. And when his disciples, James and John, saw this, get ready, here come the sons of thunder, all right? They said, Lord, do you want us to come in fire to come down from heaven and consume them just as Elijah did? But he turned and rebuked them. <laughs> Isn't that interesting? Is that the same chapter? No, or was that chapter 4? But anyway... You, 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 you saw that Jesus rebuked a demon. Then you saw Jesus rebuking a fever. Now Jesus is rebuking his hot under the collar disciples. And said, you do not know what manner of spirit you are of. For the son of man did not come to destroy men's lives, but to save them. 
And then they went to another village. Isn't that amazing? Glory be to God forever. Isn't that amazing? That the moment where they thought, whoa, let's go ahead and get our Old Testament fire and brimstone on here. Let's go ahead and call down fire on them, just like Elijah did. And you think Jesus had a good idea, boys. Go ahead and do it. No, he rebuked them and he told them, listen to those words. You do not know what manner of spirit you are of. For the Son of Man did not come to destroy men's lives, but to save them. Wow. <laughs> you know, I tell you, that never gets old. That never just gets humdrum to me. This is the word of the living God. This is the description of what he's like. And when you're talking about the origin of sickness, it's good to know that that uh, God is good, that, that God is uh, the, the source of all good things. And we clearly established tonight where sickness does come from, where death does come from, where all the, the evil comes from. Now the Lord permits it and needs to permit it because he legally turned this thing over to Adam and Adam legally turned it over to old what's-his-name. We're going to look at that next week, like I said. But thank God, thank God that despite any of that, it is true and it is obviously seen that the very heart of God towards people is not to afflict them, not to hurt them, not to harm them, but to save them. Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. So next week, oh yeah, we're going to get into two things in particular. We're going to go ahead and see what happened where God gave man the keys and man turned over the keys and, uh, and the, the fact that God did not go ahead and do this as a, a, a flat-out ownership. God did this as a lease. And the good thing about a lease is a lease has an expiration date. Praise the Lord. <laughs> that means there's hope. That means Adam got us into a fix, but it's not an eternal fix. If things are not always going to be this way. Glory to God. And then we're going to go ahead and dig into the ministry of Jesus and how strongly the scripture says that Jesus is the reflection, an exact reflection of what God the Father is like, which means that if Jesus is just like the God we read about in the Old Testament, then it must be true that he's permitting things that he would rather not have in this world. That he's not taking pleasure in the death of the wicked or destruction or, or evil being manifest. He has to permit it, but he's not taking any pleasure in it. That's what we're going to get into next week, looking at the ministry of Jesus and how uh, man's authority got turned over. But ultimately, praise God, what's happening to get that authority back? And getting things back in order the way God originally intended they should be. Amen. Hallelujah. Let's pray tonight. Father, we honor you. We give you glory and praise. Thank you, Lord, for the blessing of your word. Oh, your word's so wonderful and so good, and we thank you for it. 
And Lord, I pray tonight that everybody in this house, Lord, uh, oh, hallelujah. Thank you, Lord, that everybody in this house would know how much they're loved by the Father. Yeah. Would know how much they're loved by the Father, know how much the Father cares for them. Yeah. Thank you, Jesus. There's somebody watching tonight, and you really need to know that. You've questioned that for years. You've wondered about it for years. You've thought, no, I mean, yeah, maybe somebody else, but not me. But the Lord says to you tonight, yes, you. The, The Lord would say, yes, you. That he loves you despite all your mess, despite all your wrongdoing despite all your bad decisions, and that he does not hold that against you. And if you come to him tonight, your life will never be the same again. Glory to God. Glory to God. So if you're here tonight, or if you're watching my live stream, this is it. This is your opportunity. To get to know Jesus personally. To give your life over to him. To trust him with all of you. He's trustworthy. He won't burn you. He won't hurt you. By putting your life into his hands, you're putting your life into the safest place you could ever put it. Thank you, Lord. So I would encourage all of you here tonight to go ahead and, and pray this with me.